Hey, this is Chuck Conyers from Cinepod MovieCast. I want to thank you all for listening to our little program here. Please take the time to subscribe if you haven't already. Mr. Zulawetta and I would love to hear from you. You can follow us on Twitter. Jose can be found at Jose Joel Zulawetta on Twitter. That's Jose Joel Z-U-L-U-E-T-A. And then I can be found at This is Chacon on Twitter. That is this, I-S-C-H-A-C-O-N. Always so complicated with the names. We'll also have a Facebook page soon. Uh, We'll have a nice website soon. All All that good stuff. You know, we're working on it. So thanks again for listening, and on with the show. I'm Chuck Conyers. And I'm Jose Jones. Welcome. And today, um, uh, and I, I have to say, in our in our um, little banter before we got rolling here, I'm, uh, I'm a little disappointed so far in Mr. Zulueta's tone. I'm uh, I'm wondering really? if he did not enjoy this movie. <laughs> but I don't know. <laughs> I'm like I'm probably reading too much into it, but. Um, but no, it was like, it was a little, it was very funny. Um, but I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna judge or anything. We're just gonna go, uh, with this. Um, this was a movie that I was surprised that Jose had not seen because I was pretty sure that everyone in our age group had seen this movie, but, um, apparently no. We have not. Uh, the movie we are talking about um, is John Carpenter's Escape from New York, a cult favorite, cult classic. Yeah, but this is actually your oh, first time seeing it at this point. My first time, you know, I've always had this aversion towards Kurt Russell for some reason. <laughs> Come on. He's one of those actors who I kind of refuse to watch. Oh, shut up. Are you serious? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although in recent times, I've sort of turned from that opinion. It's because I've seen recently The Thing, which was just an amazing movie. And That was I, a current one for you, too? That was a, you, you hadn't seen The Thing yet? I hadn't seen The Thing yet wow. until that two or three years ago they played it over at the uh, Jersey City Lowe's Theater oh they played it on the big screen wow look at that oh it was quite an experience Mm -hmm. it was really a pretty good movie and I was riveted it's pretty great isn't it did you see the prequel to it no I I didn't see the prequel that was 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 that any good I, I heard about that one it's cute they CGI all the creature effects you know all that gore and everything is really effective in in the John Carpenter version. Right. But 
they you know, everything was all computerized in the prequel, so it didn't work right. But it was still... cute to see the story of the Norwegians, or was it the? Did they, did they say it was the Swedes or the Norwegians? Norwegians, I can't remember what. So in the beginning of the movie, uh-huh. yeah. the group from that from the first camp is chasing the dog in the helicopter. Uh huh. And right. uh, you know, and uh, they have the run in with uh, Kurt Russell's group, and they end up killing the uh, the Norwegians because or the Swedes or whatever because they can't they can't understand what they're saying. They're, they've got their guns and. So they end up shooting them. Yeah. Uh, so then, um, so in the prequel, you you get to know those characters, so you know who they are. <laughs> so uh, this is sort of like the Rogue One of uh, uh, the thing. Yeah, there you go, the Rogue One. Of <laughs> Only the a thing lot trip. worse than Rogue One. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's very funny. Um, and they actually made a video game for the PlayStation Two, which is the sequel to the John Carpenter movie. So an, oh, really? another team okay. goes in after looking for Kurt Russell's team. Remember they sent out um, an SOS to get help? Yeah. So this, the video game, you're on the team that it responds to the SOS. So you're going to the camp. <laughs> okay, now does this video game solve the dilemma at the very end of uh, the thing? Unfortunately. they're sort of like not trusting each other. Well, the only thing that yeah, that's that is the point of the game. You have to kind of measure your fear response to things. Um, the mechanics of the game were really odd, um, and it was uh, I, I never finished it. But the team does find McReady's jacket. But you remember when the, uh-huh. the thing would shed clothing? <laughs> yeah, they. Like, I would love to see John Carpenter do a proper sequel to it. I thought it was a fun movie. Yeah. Escape from New York is John Carpenter's fourth movie. I think one of his best. Um, mm. Yeah, see? See that? Hear that? Did you hear that sure. groan, everybody? You hear oh, that? Already I'm being judgmental. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. So That's let's. What the show's about. So, yeah, exactly. So, uh, just really quick, kind of like a quick overview of this movie. Um, it takes place in the year 1997. It actually makes mention in some screen credits that in 1988, the crime rate in the United States increased by 400%. So That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, what the fuck? They don't explain what exactly did that. They just yeah. say that, holy <laughs> shit, it was like this insane, something happened in this country that fucked it up. Yeah. And in turn, again... How the hell this happened, no one explains. But the whole enti- yes. the entire island of Manhattan, deemed uh, by the United States government, is deemed a uh, prison. And they build a 50-foot wall going around the entirety of the island. All the, the waterway, the subways, everything is rigged to explosives, so there is no way out of, of Manhattan Island, of, uh, of New York. You know, once you go in... You never come out, and right. it's basically a um, it's a maximum security prison, but it's 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 kind of like a, a city and almost like a country in and of itself. It operates uh, basically the the prisoners, what they say that the insane are running the asylum. Oh, it's basically every man, woman for himself, him or herself. So we flash forward. Um, there's an explanation graphics on screen showing you what the hell's going on. 
So fast forward to 1997, <laughs> where it's always funny to see these these movies um, are so incredibly dated when they offer dates like this. Yes, like, I mean they're still using tapes as uh, as a medium to uh, to carry around music. Wow, that, that's right, no CDs in the in the late 90s <laughs> in this world. Well, well, you know, it's like they were like on their way to making CDs because they had floppy disks at the time of the movie, right? Um, did they? Yeah, yeah, they did. Oh, they, like, they were these humongous-sized floppy disks, and they're like kind of flexible and oh, okay. easy to break. But they were like on their way to making like smaller hard disks. And and you know what? In uh, Clockwork Orange. Hmm. There was there was a scene in there where Alex was like putting in a small cassette, and it happened to be a marker cassette. That's right. I kind of wish John Carpenter had done something like that, where it wasn't really a like a cassette, but more like something a little more futuristic. Yeah, yeah I do know they had a really they had a small budget for this movie, so they had a hard enough time trying to figure out how they were going to shoot a a blown out New York City. Uh, really? They probably. That was probably a second secondary thought was the technology. And I guess that explains mm. a lot. Okay. It's not like Buckaroo Banzai where you know they took bubble wrap and made it into this uh, spectral viewer so that they could see this hologram. <laughs> um, but you know it is what it is. Um, mm. Antiquated technology that was holding. Uh, th- this is the whole plot of the movie. Actually, is. Uh, <laughs> I love this. And uh, <laughs> the um, <laughs> so 1997, the um, there is this peace summit that's about to take place between, ironically enough, considering our times, the United States, China, and Russia. Mm-hmm. So um, Air Force One has been hijacked by a terrorist, and the, by it, a and, lone terrorist. That's right. But posing as a stewardess, mind you. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, and. Um, Basically, the um, Air Force One ends up crashing down on Manhattan Island. When Special Forces goes in to try to rescue the president, it turns out that the Duke of New York has captured the president and is holding him hostage. This is when he sent, they send out um, that, that guy, Romero, the, crazy, the guy with the crazy hair who has the weird laugh. Does Steve the semi look alike? Yes, this does. <laughs> he does look like Steve the semi. <laughs> That's very funny. He comes out that first time and he says, "You know, turn around or he dies. You touch me, he dies. You come back, mm-hmm. he dies." And then he unwraps this um, this um, this handkerchief, or whatever, and there's a finger mm-hmm. inside with the presidential ring on it. Yeah. Um, so um, at this point, uh, they decide they have to get all covert and everything. So that is where Captain Hawk, the yes, um, Hawk, the head Lee of Van the, Cleef. yes, the head of the United States Police Department. Mm-hmm. Um, he they bring in Snake Plissken, who is on special forces. Hawk was special forces as well, so they both kind of heard of each other, knew about each other. Um, Pliskin um, was trying to rob the sub, or was uh, found guilty of robbing or trying to rob the Federal Reserve in Denver, so he was serving mm-hmm. a life sentence, I believe. So he 
he has an offer to get pardoned. He he right. can he'll get a pardon if he's able to not only bring back the president but also retrieve this tape, this cassette tape, which has the president giving the what is it the it's some kind of formula or something for I, it, it seemed like a, a like for a nuclear fusion cold fusion yes it's like an and energy it essential force. somehow to world peace yes this this yeah. this uh, energy source that will yes broker help broker world peace yes right. the the ultimate MacGuffin. yeah so you know uh, Snake Plissken, Snake Plissken, who is played by apparently a Jose's favorite, Kurt yeah. Russell, who is doing a Clint Eastwood impression throughout this entire oh, movie. Oh my gosh! You know, I thought it was pretty appropriate that Lee Van Cleef was cast opposite Kurt Russell because you could have it. This is basically a Clint Eastwood Lee Van Cleef reunion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's hysterical. Why are we talking? I have a deal for you. You receive full pardon for every criminal action you've committed in the United States. It was an accident. About an hour ago, a small jet went down inside New York City. The president was on board. President of what? That's not funny, Pliskin. You go in, find the president, bring him out in 24 hours, and you're a free man. 24 hours, huh? I'm making you an offer. Bullshit. Straight, just like I said. I'll think about it. No time. Give me an answer. Get a new president. We're still at war, Pliskin. We need him alive. I don't give a fuck about your war. Or your president. Is that your answer? I'm thinking about it. Think hard. You flew the Gulf Fire over Leningrad. You know how to get in quiet. You're all I've got. I guess I go in one way or the other. Doesn't mean shit to me. Give me the paper. When you come out? Before. I told you I wasn't a fool, Pliskin. Call me Snake. So basically, Snake agrees to... Well, he, uh, he agrees to, to the mission... But he's injected with this thing in his neck, this little micro bomb, where he has 20, he's supposed to have 24 hours, but now he has 22. By the time he gets the injection, he has 22 hours to recover the president and this tape, or they're going to, or the bomb will explode and his head will blow up and all that stuff. If he brings back the president in time, the bomb gets diffused and he lives. And he gets pardoned. And um, so thus begins... The adventure of Snake Plissken through the streets of New York City. So, sir, what say you? (laughs) What say you Uh about this fun, if not a little dated, science fiction fantasy film from the 1980s? Yeah, boy, I wish I watched this when I was a kid, back in the 80s. Back when I didn't have critical faculties. (laughs) You know, uh... I have to say, the uh, 1980s science fiction was a pretty good time. Yes. Because you had, what, Conan, you had E.T., you had Star Trek II, Tron, uh, Blade Runner. It was, there was, like, something in the air during that time, and yep. they just couldn't do it wrong. Yep. But, um, huh. But as for Escape from New York, does it, does it belong in this category? Well... 
for me, uh, Doris, like I had, I had a bunch of problems with it. I think, I think it all comes down to believability. Okay. Well, let's let's start with the performance. Let's start with uh, Kurt Russell. I thought he was a little, oh, you know, <sighs> if he if he had just toned down the uh, the Clint Eastwood impersonation, and if he <laughs> and if he lost that ridiculous eye patch, I would have taken this movie a little bit more seriously. Was it meant though to be taken seriously? Yeah, do, I know. Do you, I do you like, really think? Okay, how could I put it this way? Let's bring Total Recall here into the discussion. Okay. That's a better movie for me, despite the ridiculousness of it. I think Total Recall is just as ridiculous as Escape from New York. Okay. But there's like an internal logic to a Total Recall that I could get behind. And as I was watching Escape from New York, I was like finding so many things here. Like even from the beginning of the movie where... <laughs> Where uh, it's like in the narration, uh, like uh, the woman said that Manhattan has turned into an island for for prisoners yes. across the United States. Yes. I mean, that's just crazy. I was like, <laughs> and who who maintains that island? You know, it's like who who cuts the grass? Who gives them food? Who uh, yeah? Like who repairs the buildings? Apparently, no one. The government just. Uh, the, no one. The, but that's the Anyone. thing. The government. The government because they have no guards. There are no guards in inside yeah. the um, on on the island at all. They have that big wall that goes around that, and there are there are um, what do you call it? wall patrols. There are people making sure that no one gets off the island. But they, I as far as I as far as I can tell in the story, they pretty much fend for themselves. Some of them have cars. They took old junkers that were left behind, converted them to steam. We think they may also have a gasoline source in there and power, you know, greenhouses, rigged up generators. Some areas have streetlights. The crazies, they live in the subways. Complete control of the underground. They're night raiders. Maybe I'm thinking a little too much about things like that for a movie. I mean, this is supposed to be like a, like a fun movie and you're not supposed to think about it too hard. But, but the logic didn't work for we'll you. The, inter the internal logic of the story didn't work for you. No. Okay. No, mainly because I, I I couldn't buy several things. It's a great setup for the character. You're supposed to rescue the president, like within the worst prison system ever devised. Yeah. You know. Um, now, what did you think of um, the Ernie Borgnine yeah. character? Ernie, <laughs> it was fun. I liked him. He's <laughs> too. Um, he provided uh, like some very funny moments there. I like the switcheroo at the end where. It's like it's revealed that he tr traded his hat for the for the tape. That was yeah. neat. Yeah, I like that. Did you know yeah. that he's a last minute addition to the script? That character. It was uh, the story goes that Carpenter wanted to lighten up the story a little bit because it was just straight action. So he brought uh -huh. Nick Castle on to do a rewrite, and Nick Castle is the one that uh -huh. added the Ernest Borgnine character, and he changed the ending. So his ending of the president on TV, he's live on television, and he's got the tape and. Yeah, he couldn't make the peace conference, but he was able to get on television, and he's going to right now play the tape that is going to save mm -hmm. the country. And he presses play, and then it's Ernest Borgnine's tape. And <laughs> American Bandstand. It's the American Bandstand. And then it cuts to Pliskin <laughs> walking away with the actual tape 
tearing it up and destroying it. Yeah. So that was basic. I mean, that's almost like that's the punchline of the movie that Nick Castle added to the entire wow. thing. That's pretty essential, actually. Yeah, it, it is, isn't it? You can't. It's hard to imagine what this movie is without that character and without that reversal. Yeah. Right. You needed he uh, Snake needed some kind of outlet. Yeah. To express his anger with the president, his disappointment with uh, how he reacted to uh, the people that died saving him. That's right. Huh. That's right. I wonder what the original ending was like then. Yeah, I have no hmm. idea. Yeah. You would think it's I would research of... that before we recorded this show today, but... <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. That's, that's what yeah. the internet yeah, I... is for. How you doing, everybody? This is Chuck Conyers, the one half of the Cinepod movie cast. And I want to tell you guys about uh, my first novel, my debut novel, which is available now on uh, Amazon and iTunes and wherever you buy your books. It's called The Maximilian Emancipation. In the not-so-distant future, three African slave ships slip through space and time to arrive on the shores of New York and New Jersey. Imagine our political climate now ramped up to like a thousand, and something like this happens. Popular opinion is split on the cause of their arrival. Is it a scientific miracle? An act of God? A hoax perpetrated by a foreign government? Or something else. Maximilian Oroko, a Nigerian-born American, is an anthropological and linguistics expert recruited along with a team of intellectuals, scientists, and government officials to get to the bottom of this mystery. Through a combination of fate and circumstance, Maximilian learns that he has a temporal and ancestral connection to this event. Maximilian Emancipation's a fun kind of uh, satirical look at time travel. There's been this common joke that, you know, black folks can only go so far back in time before, you know, things start getting a little complicated. So I decided to take that joke and kind of turn it on his head. Well, you know, how, what if you were to go back, way back, and try to make a world where slavery never happened, never existed? How would that happen? What would that be like? And that is what this story is about. I'm a big fan of science fiction movies and time travel movies in particular, so this book is kind of like my homage to the grand sci-fi epics that I grew up with. It's a fun book, it's got a lot of fun characters in it that really move the story along. I love dialogue, I love writing dialogue, so there's, you know, there's some talky characters in this book. There are people who are reading it that are getting through it in like two or three days, so, and they're dying for the sequel which is coming out in june of 2018 so look out for that that is book two world time world slash time it's a visual thing you haven't seen it. but you can get the maximilian emancipation any place you buy books you can get the paperback on amazon and you can also get a version for kindle you can get a version for your nook your ipad your iphone Wherever you like to buy books, you can go. Just enter the Maximilian Emancipation and look my name up, Charles Conyers, or you can go to my website, www.stopslaverywithtimetravel.com, and you can get a bunch of information. I have a blog there, and you listen to this podcast there, and a bunch of other stuff. I'm trying to blow this website out. You're supposed to do that, you know, if you're smart with this self-promotion and entrepreneurial author stuff so you gotta 
gonna build your brand so I'm working on it so um, but stop you can stop by the website you can go on Amazon check it out it's called the Maximilian Emancipation pick it up please I think you'll dig it now on with the show So what do you think of uh, the casting of Brain by Harry Dean Stanton? Oh, Harry Dean Stanton. I loved him. I thought he was great. Um, Jeez, really? What's wrong with (laughs) Harry Dean Stanton? I I thought he was kind of a boring choice. I wish they had picked someone who's like a little bit younger, a little bit more uh, devious and clever. You know, I don't know who, but... But I don't know, I don't think that would have been a good flow because um, he and Snake knew each other. Harold Hellman. Snake? Harold? How you been, Harold? It's been a long time. You never told me you knew Snake Plissken, Bray? Isn't that great? Hey, Bray, I can use some gas if you can spare some. man should remember his past. Kansas City, four years ago, you ran out on me. You left me sitting there. You were late. We were buddies, Harold. You, me, and Fresno Bob. You know what they did to Bob? Hmm? You want to see him sprayed all over that map, baby? Where's the president? I swear to God, Snake, I don't know. Don't fuck with me. He's the one that ends up buddying up to the Duke. And that's how um, Snake is, event- is is eventually able to get as close as he does to um, to getting to the president. Mm. But yeah, I liked Harry Dean Stanton. I used to have a crush on Adrian Barbeau. Oh my gosh, wow. Um, Why wasn't she a bigger star? Yeah, I know, I know. She had so this, much appeal in that one. This Although and Swamp Thing, for me, were yeah. like... Um, I, I, I God, I thought she was so hot. I thought she was so cute. <laughs> And she was in, uh, wasn't she in Back to School, the Rodney Dangerfield movie? Yes, she was uh, She was the wife of uh, Melon. Yes. <laughs> She's showing everyone her Clint. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're impossible. And, and you're, you're easy. easy. <laughs> it's a great one. Oh, this is going to cost you, Thornton, plenty. Oh, yeah? What about this photo? This is with you in the pool, boy. Oh, this is what I don't let. That's you. That's Julio, but what's with the midget? Oh, my God. That's such a funny movie. Yep. Yeah, they don't give her much to do in this movie, but she does sacrifice herself at the end. Yeah. Um, when, where the, when the Duke runs her over. Now, the Duke of New York... Yes. You're the Duke of New York, you're the A number one. <laughs> that is played by Isaac Hayes, um, yes. R&B star, uh, and uh, the um, the star of South Park as Chef. Yes. Um, yes and former Scientologist. <laughs> I think that's why he quit South Park. It is why he quit South Park. Uh, may he rest in peace. He's yes. also passed away. Again, he's fine in this. They don't give him much to yeah. do except look menacing and... and and he had these facial tics, which I yes. noticed. That was pretty cool. I wonder if he invented that or it was John Carpenter's idea. That's a good question. Uh... But yeah, just, I thought he uh, brought a lot of charm to the role. Yeah, and um, yeah. the line we just quoted there, Donald Pleasance, 
Oh um, as gosh. the president of the United States, probably with that, you're the Duke of New York, you're the A number one, that line. <laughs> and the line at the end when he shoots the Duke. scenery You're chewing shit one. yes <laughs> oh my god dude just... <laughs> yeah that was i always a... see him as a villainous character so it's interesting that carpenter had cast him as a president of the united states considering we have a villain in the office today yeah yeah that's true <laughs> that's absolutely true well he ends up kind of well, I don't want to say um, the president ends up being the villain in the movie. The president ends up being kind of like the fool in the movie. Yeah, um, yeah, he was a stuttering prick. Yeah, <laughs> in the movie, but he turns into a real jerk again at the end. You know, he's yeah. like a little more self-assured and didn't give a crap about anyone. That's right. That's yeah. right. Well, that's why Snake screwed him. Yeah, screwed the entire country actually. Yep. And if you see if you've seen the sequel Escape from L.A., uh-huh. he which is weird. It's it's funny. It's Escape from L.A. is almost like a mild remake of Escape from New York. Oh, mild. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Because no. you know how in this movie it's the same thing. It's the same setup. They recruit um, Snake. The government recruits Snake Plissken to. Um, to I think to help save the president's daughter I think in this one, oh um, my god! But the the premise for the second movie is pretty funny. It's um, okay. it's this um I think it takes place in I think it starts in 1998 I think, or 1999. Two years after yeah, this one, I think so. Okay, because it's a All it's right. a presidential election. A presidential candidate predicts a millennium earthquake will destroy L.A. in divine retribution. Like the mighty fist of God, Armageddon will descend upon the city of Los Angeles, the city of Sin, the city of Gomorrah, the city of Sodom, and waters will arise and separate this sinful, sinful city from our country. And then by sheer fate and luck, a superstorm comes... And a tornado wipes out all of Los Angeles. Just <laughs> like completely takes it out. Oh, okay. This dude becomes president of the United States. All right. Basically, the same thing that happens to uh, New York happens to Los Angeles. The the, rem- the remnants of it, the ruins, become a prison. Walls oh built gosh. around it, and everything else. Okay. So, um, so that Snake Plissken is recruited to go into Los Angeles and try to find the president's daughter. And um, there's a running gag in um, there's a, the lot. The thing in um, Escape from New York is everybody that sees Snake Plissken uh-huh. says, "Oh, you're Snake Plissken. I thought you were dead." Heard you were dead. <laughs> a couple people say that in this movie in Escape from New York. Yeah. In Escape from L.A., the line is, uh-huh. "Oh, you're Snake Plissken." I thought you were taller. I kind of thought you'd be taller. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, it's, wow. 
Yeah, it, it is. It's virtually so he gets uh, this. Um, he gets an implant where he has to recover the um, president's Again. daughter, or he's going to die before he gets the antidote. I mean, it's this. It's it, yeah. It's the same. And Steve Buscemi is in Escape from <laughs> Escape from L.A. <laughs> oh, how funny! He plays the Ernest Borgnine character <laughs> in in that movie. Oh, really? He's a cab driver. Yes, like yeah, pretty much. Gotta be kidding! Oh, that's crazy. What did they do? Did they do anything new in this one besides? Yes, planning it to L.A. Yes, there is a, sur- a surfing scene where Snake Plissken is riding a surfboard. I think that Santa Monica Boulevard <laughs> oh, on a wave. My God. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, there are some differences. Oh <laughs> you got to be kidding me! Did they fix anything from uh, from the first movie? Did they fix anything with regards to what the plot yeah. and all that stuff? Is it, in terms of like the cheesiness, was it like less cheesy? Or? Oh my god, no, it was worse. It was oh, it's far, but in god. but hyper intentionally, you know. Um, and they allude to um, another story. Hey Hershey, how you doing? Hang on, hang on, guys. This is big. It's Snake Pliskin. I brought him here to see you, Hershey. He's got a little business proposition. What's in it for me? Oh, one well, minute. I know that voice. Yeah. You carjacked Malone. Not anymore. Are you to know each other? Hershey, you were in Cleveland? Oh, yeah. With me in Texas, Mike Gaucher, except you looked a little different in those days, Carjack. You get one thing straight, Plissken. I'm no longer Carjack Malone. A person must promise the most drop-dead to die for number you ever laid that one eye. I don't give a fuck what you are. I want to know what the hell happened to you in hey, Cleveland. I was away on urgent business. I got caught. You didn't. Don't lie to me. All right, so I made another deal. I got my ass kicked, not you. I've been in here five years, not you. I got a new deal for you. You help me, you live. Oh, I wouldn't do that, Snake. You see, we all have an agreement. Anything happens to me, and you're dead. I'm already dead. <coughs> that might you, be more interesting. You sound so excited by this. Rest. Escape. <laughs> so, so, so basically, uh, Snake is escaping from all these major cities. In these yeah, it's the escape universe. <laughs> it's the escape <laughs> franchise. <laughs> well, you know that they're um, they're remaking Escape from New York. Oh wow! Like with, rebooting it totally with Robert Rodriguez directing it. Robert, oh, oh my goodness! <laughs> I don't know how to. I don't know how to take that. I mean, he he could be good or he could be bad. Well, as long as look, it depends on how um, Battle Angel Alita is. Yeah. You know, if um, I don't know how he's going to manage that, but. Um, but if he does a good job with that, I'm sure they'll give him Escape from New York for sure to do. I don't know if he signed to do it or not. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, he. I think it was announced last year, 2017, huh. that um, Robert wow. Rodriguez was directing. I, I guess it just needed to be remade. 
Well, it kind of does. I mean, the World Trade Center. I mean, they land the um, they land the glider. He he. That's how he gets into New York. He they they shoot him on a glider and he lands on top of the World Trade Center. Right. It, it, and it's like in every movie in that time, all the way up until the up until nine eleven. I mean, like anytime you had a movie that took place in or around New York City, you would always see the World Trade Center. Yeah. It was really weird watching that movie uh because you had air force one crashing into one of the buildings in manhattan and i got so i was a little more than disturbed yeah. it. that's right because i brought back bad memories obviously i wonder if you really could take off from the world trade center with a glider well it was it's a pretty enough. neat idea it was high enough i think you could mm. i think you could definitely what mm-hmm. did you think of the whole premise of the story where the Duke was going to use the president as a human shield in a motorcade to lead all of the prisoners out of off of Manhattan? Mm-hmm. So they were going to go toward, they were going to go down the Queensboro Bridge and um, get the guards to let them in using the president <laughs> as a human shield. Now, what, um, I mean... <laughs> Not the most sophisticated plan in the world, but yeah, you know, you would think they'd <laughs> you would think they'd blow up the entire bridge just so that there's no chance for the prisoners to escape. But again, you just don't trust the logic of this movie. You weren't. <laughs> yeah. Uh... So did you? So did you think that the uh, wrestling match was necessary? The uh, the, uh... <laughs> the cage the cage fight. The cage fight. Um, I thought it. I thought it was kind of cool. Uh, battling each other with bats. With uh, spikes in them. Pretty. And with spikes, that's pretty freaking dangerous. Yeah. You know? uh, I kind of liked it. Kind of liked it. You know, a lot happens in those twenty-two hours because uh, yeah. Snake was unconscious, right? It was like for how long? Oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah. Was he unconscious for two hours or something like that? Or is it at least at least two hours? Yeah. Um, I would think that would, that whole adventure would take more than a day to do, but um, things move he... fast in New York, you know. <laughs> well, he had no subway, so I could get from place to place. Yeah, that's he was, true. Well, he, he did from... have he did have the cab. That's how. Um, that's how um, Cabby came into play. You know, they were able to get around because of him. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And also Brain. I think Brain had a car, too. Yes. So and that goes to prove the old adage of, uh, you know, you really do have to have a car to get around. <laughs> okay, so, so Snake went from the World Trade Center to where Brain was living. Right. Which was, was the library, right? The New York Public Library, which yes. is over at Forty Second Street. Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, so now between yeah. then, he mm, did he meet Cabby before? Because he had he went to that. Um, he went to that Broadway show. Yes. The, the drag show. <laughs> right. The everything's coming oh. up roses. That was the the Ethel Merman number. <laughs> That was really twisted. Okay, that's one of the few things I liked about it. When they get, so when they get like uh, satirical like that, that's very. Um, 
Okay. Very Terry Gilliam. I do want to um, make a, a, a note right now to people listening. Uh, if you hear sounds that sound like a child being tortured in the background, it is my goofy-ass son um, <laughs> being a, a, a goofball um, while he's having his bath. We're actually recording, or I'm actually recording next to... Um, the bathroom and this recording coincided with bath time so oh wow um so uh that is um it's a, just in case <laughs> you know chuck Kiners is not um a violent animal that keeps children locked up he is a uh, concerned father that uh um, and parent that does not like a smelly child so <laughs> So there you go, the vaudeville number. So now Brain, uh, Cabby is the one that takes Snake to Brain in the first place. So that's how he gets there. So that's true. And then like Brain drives him around. So he, he yeah. just knows people with car in uh, Manhattan. He knows people who drive. Yeah. So he's able yeah. to get around mm-hmm. very easily and very quickly. And then they go from... Now, the Duke is at Grand Central Terminal, which is near the library. It's um it's not that far yeah. from the New York Public Library. Right. Yeah. Now, and then from there, they go to the Queensboro Bridge for the big uh, finale. No, 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 no. That's mm-hmm. not true. They go to the World Trade Center. They go back down to the World Trade Center first. Right. Because um, they want to take the glider back. But the the, the crazies, as they're called. Yes. They chop down the glider. The Gulf Flyer. Yeah. And let it go so it crashes down. So then they have to, from there, I think, they go to the Queensboro Bridge. That's quite a drive. Yeah. But then Brain is, I mean, not Brain, um, Cabby, um, Ernie Borgnine is the one that takes them there. It's like a regular city, only like a little bit dirtier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and LA, LA is no different. It's the same thing. It, uh, okay. In Escape from LA, it is true. There's like, um, there is a, um, there is a, an evil plastic surgeon in Escape from LA that has a um, uh, a group of um, like henchmen and crazy people that are all like botched medical experiments, oh, and wow. botched plastic surgeries and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know, I think that that's the point. I think that this is um, this is a cartoon. This is like a comic yeah. book movie. It is. You know, it is. it's it's not. To, I mean, I, I I mean, Jesus, you can go through. John Carpenter's entire filmography and not find a a one uh, sensible move that um, that any of his um, what is the James Woods vampire movie the one that he was in where he was a uh, an agent for the Vatican the Vatican was hiring vampire killers oh my gosh wow I I don't notice again That's great cool great plot great premise. But uh, yeah, I mean, they live as well. Mm. They live is a great premise. Um, but I mean, <laughs> wow, the acting is just. I mean, it makes this movie look like you know John Jonathan Demme's Philadelphia. 
Oh, no kidding. Like, as far as the performances are concerned, <laughs> oh, my God. They Live has some of the worst acting I have ever seen. But it's a, it's a great idea, and some of the scenes are really funny. All right. You know, and the ending is outstanding. It's so funny. It's great. But, uh-huh. yeah, but yeah, my God, that that's tough. That's that's oh. a tough movie. That did not age well, They Live. They should remake. Okay. If they anything, they should remake They Live. Okay. What would you say is John Carpenter's best movie? Oh, man. The Thing. The Thing. The Thing. The, yeah. The, beyond. Yeah, yeah, I think thing did everything right it seemed it's the and it's the his plot best. Oh, it's coherent yep. actually it's a it's a good plot it's a very well told all the acting in it is great um the, yeah. the effects are fantastic there that's yeah. a damn near perfect movie the the, the thing which and is, he got the he got the the tone right and the humor right yep it's a science fiction horror film yeah. So he was like he was able to take what he did from Halloween and put it to science fiction and it worked, mm-hmm. you know, and probably it's it's more along the lines of I think another one of his films which is uh, outside of the thing is also one of his best films and that's Big Trouble in Little China. Mm-hmm. That is a movie that gets it, it's one of his humorous science fiction movies but it works a little better than some of the other ones um probably works along the lines of what you would want um escape from new york to be okay rather than what it is all right what about anything Mm. else about escape from new york that um Uh, that you liked or were annoyed by or liked okay well you know it it, it had some good parts you know i like the um like I said, I like the premise of it. I thought it was pretty cool. I think I thought the uh, Snake Plissken character had a lot of potential there. Yeah. I like that the grizzled old, uh, you know, the, the, the old Special Forces guy who got caught finally, you know, um, doing the wrong thing probably because he got old and um, yeah. really wasn't as sharp as he used to be. And But he's mm-hmm. uh, it's like the gunslinger, which I guess is why they went for the Clint Eastwood impression. Um, uh, which is a thing geez. between John Carpenter and Kurt Russell. He does um, mm-hmm. John Wayne in Big Trouble in Little China, Kurt Russell. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's probably, you know, this gunslinger with going on one last uh, mission type story. One Within the Lee Van Cleef yes. um, reference that you made earlier makes a lot of sense, too. You know, do you think uh, they should have cast someone else that besides Kurt Russell for for uh, Snake, someone maybe a little older, a little more grizzled. No, I like Kurt Russell. See, I don't have a problem with Kurt Russell. I like him a lot. Okay. You're, you're ready to hate him. You're, you hate him. <laughs> now, it's funny. You feel about Kurt Russell the same way I feel about Daniel Day-Lewis. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, I, whenever I, I remember when My Left Foot came out, I was just like, I want to burn every print of that film that I can find. I, I never saw My Left Foot. Never saw it at all. I have absolutely zero right to say any of this shit. But I would see clips of his performance in it and I was just like, oh my god. Oh, oh god. Jesus. I And um, um, what was the other movie he made? Last of the Mohicans. I will find you. I'm like, oh. Uh, well, how about the uh, There Will Be Blood? Yeah. So, 
Whatever. Tour de force. Whatever. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I drink and, your milkshake. <laughs> I drink it up. <laughs> yeah, that's about as gripping a performance as Anthony Hopkins in Silence of the Fucking Lambs. It's another oh, one. Really? Oh, really? Oh, no. Oh, I'm so scary. Listen to me. Oh, oh, I'm so scary. Uh, I, I, uh, I ate fava beans and Chianti. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's Academy Award winning uh, performance right there. Wow. Ooh. Yeah, so that's there you rough, go. Chuck. There you go. <laughs> that's rough. I, I quite liked him in uh, Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, I know. You're not the only one. Blah, blah, blah. To each his own. Yeah, that's, that's, that's exactly right. So I don't mind Anthony Hopkins and other things. He's great in Westworld. Oh, I love him in Westworld. Yeah. It's the best thing out of there. Yeah. Um, but I just... Uh, I did not like him in that movie. I thought, thought Silence of the Lambs was not a good movie. I love Jonathan Demme, too. I like his work, too. Um, yeah. But as far as, like, just a repulsion to actors, it, for some reason, it's da- <laughs> Daniel Day-Lewis for me. I, I, I can't do it. I cannot do it. <laughs> gotcha. Well, I got good news for you. He's retiring from acting. Yes, I know he's going to be a cobbler, I, I hear, or something like a that, cobbler? like a shoemaker or something. I, that's, no, I, if I'm not mistaken, there's some actor that I heard of that's doing that. It's like going to quit and, you know, find Jesus or something. I don't know, what, whatever it is that they do. Oh, boy. But, yeah. <laughs> but whatever, it's, it's great. Yeah. That's great. I, I wish okay. him well. For you, sir. Yeah. On a scale of one to ten. One to ten. What would you give uh, um, John Carpenter's um, alleged uh, reaction to the Watergate scandal? That's this, weird. This film, yes. How, how did he? How did he get there uh, from Watergate to Escape from New York? Well, anyway, it's a fun movie. Lots of holes in the plot. Uh, lots of lapses in logic. A little too cartoony. I would give this. Mm, I'd give this a six. Sorry, Chuck. I know you love this movie, but man, can't rate it any higher than that. <laughs> That's fair enough. <laughs> well, you made a good point. Like I grew up with this movie. I saw this movie when I was a kid. They just they played it on cable all the time, and um, it's true when you look at it through non-critical eyes. There's a lot to love. This is a fun movie. It's a blast. I'll give it an eight. An eight? Yes. Wow. Oh, listen to that gasp. You can hear the hear the <laughs> disgust in his voice. But yeah, I give it an eight. It was. Uh, um, it's you know it is it is what it is, and it's a good time. You know, it's it's fun. It's I thought you know I think the ending is fun. Um, you know, it's good. I had a good time. I, I can't uh, I can't sell it any more than that. It's uh, I mean, look, I would say that if you are in the mood for something, you know, fun, and if you love sci-fi, and I'm talking about, Vin, I would have to say in this ca- in the case of this film, this is pretty much falls under under vintage sci-fi. This is along the lines of War of the Worlds at this point. Um, it's along the oh, lines wow. of, of Destination Moon. You know, um, things like that. I would even say it's also probably along the lines of the original 
uh, Thing from Another World, which is what The Thing, um, John Carpenter's remake, is based on. It's just dated science fiction. It takes place in the futuristic world of 1997. I mean, you, you, you can't... It's not modern. This is not Minority Report, you know? This is not even Mad Max. You know, it's it's totally dated. And it's really... Almost in the kind of the same way that um, a film that we watched earlier, we re- reviewed earlier, Putney Swope. I kind of had the same thing to say about that as well. As good as that film is, it's extremely dated. Um... So mm-hmm. I would almost kind of welcome a remake to this. Um, I don't understand. I mean, like I said, like I said earlier, he wrote this in the seventies. So you know that's probably why. Like you know, if you're writing, if you're writing this movie in like nineteen seventy eight or something like that, and you know, nineteen ninety seven is twenty years away, it does sound kind of sound like ooh, what's going to happen in the future, right? But, I mean, these days, again, in the world where, you know, we are now, this is the same year, 2018, this is the same year that Blade Runner takes place in. Oh, boy. November 2018, okay? No one's flying around in cars. No one's um, giving Voight comp tests. We don't have robots mining off-world colonies for us. None of that shit. Now, if that movie took place in the year 2118, then I think that's a a better kind of reach. You know what I mean? Um, Yeah. So, you know, just for the nostalgia of it all, just for the fact that this is a fun I think a retro, not retro, but this is a fun kind of classic science fiction film. I give it once again an eight out of ten. Wow! I I can't believe you uh, you mentioned Blade Runner twenty forty nine and Escape from New York in the same breath. Well, it wasn't Blade Runner twenty forty nine. It was just regular Blade Runner. Oh, okay. Or which is re- regular? Oh my god! Regular Blade Runner takes place in the year um, yeah twenty eighteen. And then you have Blade Runner 2049, yeah, like but even still, can you, like, 2049 is 30 years away. We're not going to have, like, we might have yeah, holographic yeah. ads and stuff. That's, will they be billboard size? I, actually, I don't know, maybe. But we're certainly not going to have robots walking around, and we're still not going to have flying cars in 2049. Yeah. Okay, an eight. Solid eight. Wow. I envy you sometimes, Charles. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a shame. It's okay that you you know yeah. you don't love things and you have no heart and no yeah. soul. It's all right, Mister Zuluetta. It's fine. That's why I'm here to balance out your cold cynicism. Yeah, yeah because okay. at the end of the day, not everything can be directed by Stanley Kubrick and Orson Welles. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, ow. <laughs> Smart. You have a very um, high standard. High standard. There you go. You have a very yeah. high standard. In your, um... Yeah, but you know, I also I like fun movies too. I yeah. like as you're making me sound like I don't like fun. You know? <laughs> but, but, <laughs> but I want my fun to make sense. So uh, fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. The, and yeah. and um, you know, we did review. I thought a fun film um, two weeks ago. It by the name of Justice League. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but I, pro- I promise that we're going to... Uh, I'm going to find 
a fun popcorn movie for you. Okay. That you're All gonna right. that might be my next mission. I kind of had something All else right. I kind of wanted to do, but I think this might be my. And no, it will not be the last action hero. Although we will be talking about uh, that because uh, that is a freaking masterpiece. I don't care what anybody says. That is an action movie masterpiece. So if you're listening to this now, you might as well start watching <laughs> Last Action Hero now because eventually we're going to get to it and I'm going to deconstruct why that movie is brilliant. I'm sure it will be referenced quite a lot <laughs> in this show. <laughs> All right, sir. All right. And ladies and gentlemen, that is it for the latest episode of Cinepod Movie Cast with the fourth with the John heart Carpenter to film. With the heart to please. <laughs> yes, I'm easy to please Chuck Kinders, and he is the... <laughs> And I'm hard to please those angels. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Thank you, uh, ladies and gentlemen, and we will see you um, on the other side of the wall. You're on camera, Mr. President. Good evening. Although I shall not be present at this... Uh, historic summit meeting. I present this in the hope that our great nations may learn to live in peace.